I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk the insane joy and anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first snappy change to those messy weaning months. Water wipes, the world's purest baby wipes. Made here in Ireland, water wipes are clinically proven to be the number one wipe against nappy rash and are purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Naomi Clark, or the Style Fairy, as you might know her better, to talk about becoming a mother to her third baby girl, Kaya. Naomi has been open about her type 1 diabetes and how this impacts her pregnancies in the past, with all her girls arriving early, and how her second baby, Luna Mae, was in NICU for two weeks, where she was supported by the incredible teams that care for our tiny heroes. And despite these two high-risk pregnancies, Naomi could just feel there was one more baby out there that she just had to bring home to make her family complete, her baby Kaya. Here we talk about this maternal instinct, life with three, reflux siblings, and how in those early baby weeks, we are all just in survival mode. For Naomi, that's wearing something that brightens her mood, managing her energy, her blood sugar, and working on meaningful projects that matter. As a mum of three babies born early, Naomi cares about supporting other parents by sharing her experience in her new role as brand ambassador for Water Wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash, and with us on Every Mum the Podcast, so that other parents going through similar can feel less alone. Naomi. Thank you so much for joining us on Every Month, the podcast. It is a gloriously hot and sunny and heat-waved Monday morning, uh, but it is lovely to see your face, a lovely ray of sunshine to kick off. Oh, thank you so much, Nate. I'm really happy to be chatting to you today. I know it's such a gorgeous day, absolutely. But I know that (laughs) I think also every mother on the land probably hasn't slept for 72 hours because their children are just awake all night with the heat. So hard to get them to sleep. Oh my God. Luna, especially last night, my two-year-old was just lepping around the bed. And like, you can't blame them. Like, I found it so hard to sleep. It's so hard. So we fans now, we're prepared. I love when Ireland gets a heat wave and literally like we're wild buying fans. (laughs) (laughs) fans and anything like water for the garden yeah the the play pools and everything like that it's so alien for us to have this heat like we're never prepared such a novelty and of course you have three little girls that you need to get to sleep I do yeah it's even mad hearing you say that I'm still not still I still can't believe that like that there's three of them I have three daughters me Naomi has three daughters like it's crazy there's three of them and little Kai is three months. She is three months now, which, oh, it's just gone, like, oh, it's gone by in a blink. So cliched. This is possibly the fastest of the three this has gone. I enjoyed it the most. I treasured it the most. But it's the fa- it, it's gone by so fast. Like, ner- like, I just don't know how it's happened. Like, she, how, how, are, how is three months passed already? Um, I still like to talk in weeks because I feel like oh, it makes it I sound, know, it makes it sound smaller. Like, yeah, she's 14 weeks. So I'll be like, yeah, she's 37 weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't cope with like, I don't know. I know we all, we all say this. We all feel this. It just, it just goes too quickly. I feel like quickly. after having my second, I can only describe it in this, this sunny weather is inspiring this too. It feels having your second baby for me, has felt like the second week of a holiday. It's the same amount of time, but yeah. you know the way it just disappears. Halfway through the week, you've already feel like, oh my God, we have to start preparing for, for flying home. 
it just disappears so quickly. So I can only imagine on the third, it's even faster. Even faster. And, and you know that it's going to disappear. And so you're just so much more acutely aware of trying to savor it, which I like, which I really, I tried to, obviously there's a couple of weeks where the exhaustion took hold and you know, that there's just that blur. And even that upsets me that I can't remember certain days. Um, like I spend so long just going through my phone every, pretty much every night. My husband thinks I'm so crazy, but just, I love to remember at least one big moment every week, what happened. And just even looking back last night, I look back at each month and the difference in her, cause she's a huge baby. She's, she's so big and she's so tall and everyone every time somebody meets me they're like oh she's so big sure she's like seven months old I'm like no she's not she's tiny she's my little baby um so yeah I just keep going back over my phone and just replaying it even though I'm still trying to remind myself I'm still in the early stages and in another four six or eight weeks I'll go oh my god what was I whinging about she was a dink and I thought she was big so I know I'm very much still in that newborn stage so it's not over I'm still enjoying it just those teensy weensy days are gone for some women the newborn days are the hardest and the most challenging Mm. and the most filled with I suppose sleeplessness and anxiety and you know your baby can't really articulate and communicate so you're very much winging it and for others it's a real time of go with the flow and mellow and they're so tiny and they find the challenge later on when the the babies start kind of maybe moving or four month sleep regressions and Mm. weaning and feeding. And there's, I think everyone has a zone that they find most challenging and it's different for everyone. It is different. And I think it's different with your, well, I've been found myself different with each baby and each experience each time has been different. Um, like I, I, I relished the newborn stage the most this time, without a doubt, because of, because I've had to before with my first, with Annabelle, I was so naive. Like when I think of that stage now, I can barely remember those days. I was so naive and she had such severe reflux. All three of mine have had reflux. Annabelle had silent reflux and a lot of the first year of her life is just a blur to me. Like mm. I just adjusting to being a mum, like becoming a mother. None of my friends had, had babies. I was the first, I was the first in our group to get married. So I was like the pioneer. So they were, everybody was still out. And I was like, oh, my baby won't stop crying. And I don't know what I'm doing. Like that was a shock that I struggled with. Luna also had reflux, not quite as severe, but she, um, I definitely relaxed a lot more with her. I went with the flow a little bit more. Um, but I still definitely, I had a little bit of post-traumatic stress after Luna's birth because yeah. it was a very difficult birth. And so I think this time I got to bring Kaya home when she was supposed to come home. Things went to plan as much as things can go to plan for me. And I've just, yeah, I've just been enjoying, enjoying it a lot more. Um, she has very severe reflux as well. So I don't want to sugarcoat it and make anybody think that I'm just sitting here and, oh, it's so glorious and easy. And it's not at all. Like I'm losing my every day. And um, it's, she's been very difficult. She's God lover. She's very severe reflux. Um, I'm just dealing with it differently because I've been through it twice before. And I know that it ends. And I know like, yeah, I suppose you just get perspective when you're older that, and because it was a high risk pregnancy, there's so many things that could have gone wrong for us that didn't. So she has a bit of reflux. I'll deal with that. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. Now for a lot of reflux mums going through that, they'll be like, oh my God, where is the light? Get me out. How do I make this end? But the light arrives. We had an amazing episode um, with Nessa um all about silent reflux um and cow's milk protein allergy and the process of going through it and the light at the end of the tunnel but also Mm. how in the moment it's so distressing to see your baby experience any kind of pain or intervention or block from that peacefulness that you want Mm. you know you want to just cuddle and hold and be be yeah comfort them and you can't comfort your own baby it's 
very upsetting. It's, it's such a journey. And I think every mum, depending on what you've experienced before, helps you adapt to whatever is happening in the moment. So where the expectation and the reality, and I spoke so many times this season around this, that when something occurs and you're not expecting it, it can really throw you off balance. Mm. But if you've actually come through it before, your second time going through it, there's a little bit more, okay, we dealt with it. We can do this again. Yeah, it's still, it definitely. And you know it ends. Now, having said that, I thought I would have been able to cope with the reflux better than I have done. It kind of floored me that I struggled. So I can, I'm saying this as if it's over. She's still going through it. She's just much better. Definitely because I've experienced of it before, I coped with it better. I knew what was wrong. I trusted my instinct quicker. I got her on the medication she needed early. I made the changes that were needed. But it's still definitely there were days where I was just like, no, this is not fair. I can't believe we're going through this again. Mm. Like vomiting morning, noon and night, that mm. poor thing. Whole bottles coming up, her weight centiles going down. All the stress of all of that. Um, and then just the crying. She's cried a lot because she's in pain. And you're like, all you want to do is stop their pain. And they're so tiny. Mm. So... I've definitely, there's been like overall, I've coped with it way better. And we've got her to a place now post the 12 week mark where she's comfortable. Um, um, and I know that she's going to be fine. It's, it's, not, it's not a long-term illness or condition, thank God. But it definitely, it's, it's, it's okay to say that it's a, it's a big struggle. It's, it's really hard. In case, you know, if there's anybody listening, thinking, oh, God, I've had it a few times and I'm still struggling. Oh, I still struggle, too. It's like it's really hard, especially when you've just come off the back of a high risk pregnancy during a pandemic where there are heightened anxieties anyway. And heightened anxieties because of the experience of birth that you had with Luna May. Mm -hmm. And. How, you know, were there times leading into this birth where you had to really kind of manage yourself? Yeah, it was. And I think you go into a zone. I went into like, a, I don't know, some sort of a zone because I just had to get through it and get on with it and do this. But it was very high risk. Um, I'm type one diabetic, have been now for since I was 17. So well over 25 years. I've lived longer, obviously, with it than without it. Um, with Annabelle Ivy, I had a emergency c-section at 36 weeks with luna may again i had an emergency c-section just 36 weeks and one day i think i was she ended up being in icu for quite a while due to results of my condition so like i hate to say the word mm. but i felt like my fault mm -mm. um so this pregnancy was really scary and um, I had been advised by, by doctors not to get pregnant again because of, um, I have quite a few complications because of my, my type 1 diabetes, like I have complications in my eyes. And a lot of my complications can be exacerbated by pregnancy. So I had been advised not to go again. I had two C-sections. I had two healthy babies. So it was a big, big decision to go again. So the whole thing was quite... It was, it was scary. It was intense. I, I think my husband probably because he wasn't feeling it or in it, he struggled even more watching me. He was like, just God love him. He just finds my pregnancies so difficult um, and so stressful. But yeah, it, it was, and I, you know, I was even thinking this morning when I was having my coffee before I came on to talk to you, God, like the amount of appointments I went through on my own and the, the things I had to pro obviously Cormac sat outside he was in the outside in the car for every appointment but not having somebody next to you mm. when you're process oh, here we go <laughs> when you're processing really scary information mm. is so hard like mm. so hard and that's I think there's there's a couple of things it's the emotional support of having the person beside you mm. but it's also how our brains process that information how we take in that information and we understand okay. what's coming next or it's so hard, you know, if you've had something and then you have to go back outside and tell your partner, 
what they said. You can't remember. Can't, it's so true. So true. I used to come out to the car and he'd be like, well, I'm like, yeah, all good. What? What? Mm. And I'm like, I don't know. They, they, they talked a lot about she might be coming early. And he's like, how early? What? 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 And I'm like, I'm not sure. And he's like, do I have to ring? And so we have a great consultant. I went, um, Dr. Lisa O'Brien is her name. She delivered three of my babies. And he's like, do I need to ring Lisa? Because like you say, I just kind of would take in the info, go, okay. Well, I think, you know, and not really process it. Whereas Cormac's the logical person. If he was beside me, he would have been asking the proper questions. I kind of took the info and left. And he's like, did you ask them what that means? Did you ask them, what can we do? How early will you go? Or can you go? Or, you know, so that was definitely a challenge. And it is. And when you say high risk, sometimes we assume high risk that, you know, that the baby might come early or that the baby, something is going on with the baby. But in your instance, you had risk that he had to worry about you and your health yeah. as well. And yeah. you're his world and you're his, you know, the, the family unit is all about like when mum's oh, well, we're all well. I know, I know. So it is, I, I, I have full understanding for why for Cormac yeah yeah he he was I think it was so so stressful for him Mm. the fact that I've got through it I'm okay Kai is okay he's just like oh the relief was was mega was that stress something that may have led you to guys to thinking maybe number three isn't on the agenda oh definitely yeah definitely for him he was like absolutely not I'm not I can't go through that and again I was like it's me that has to go through it and he's like no I can't which I do understand he's like I couldn't I can't watch you do that again when when I'm pregnant it's very very intense I'm in and out of the hospital a lot I I have to be up and down I go to Hollis Street I had the up and down an awful lot it's just very intense mm-hmm. and there's there's challenges all along the way and he's like how can we go through that again and obviously this is all aside from the fact of what happened with Luna which was mm. very like I think both of us she's just turned three both of us are still like processing that experience so he if it was up to him he didn't want us to go again but it was just I had, and I can't describe why did I want to go again? Why did I want to try again? I, there was just a feeling in me that I couldn't put to sleep, that I couldn't, it was just there. And he's like, why, you know, and career-wise, I was very, very busy. I probably had the most bookings in with brands that, that I've ever had. Um, things were going really well for me work-wise. Cormac had started his own business. The kids were you know, that bit bigger, people were sleeping through the night, life was coming back, you know, we were traveling, then COVID hit and we were all stuck at home and I just, I just couldn't shake it, I just, I had this want in me for another baby or to at least try for another baby and I always said, I can't live with the regret that I didn't try, like what if, what if, I, this is me trying to convince him, mm. what if I'm, 55 and I'll think about what about that baby that we didn't try for mm-hmm. and um so there wasn't proper logic if there if my medical team had been there they would be like no way Naomi you can't do this it's too high risk <laughs> Cormac was like no separate we bedrooms <laughs> we can't do this uh you know we have it all we've two perfectly healthy girls and I I just couldn't I I don't know I can't explain it and now aren't we glad everyone listened to me because look at Kaya. <laughs> exactly. But isn't that so funny? I just think that there's this, there's such a little maternal voice in all of us that is kind of, yeah. that, and, and that knows also when you're done, when your family is complete. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know now I'm absolutely done. <laughs> <laughs> she says 14 weeks in. <laughs> no, I have to be done. Absolutely. I'm, I am, I'm completely done. But, um, you're right it's just a little voice there's no logical explanation and we were so lucky and so blessed to have two healthy children it was a huge risk to go again but I just I was willing to risk it and I suppose the one of the biggest risks for me was my eyes and um, I have complications in the back of my eyes particularly my left eye and as a result of my diabetes so that was the biggest one of the biggest concerns and it's my vision that will ultimately be affected 
so that was a huge risk and and what I wanted to to take it this podcast is just one way that every mum can support you another amazing way is with our free gift bag packed full of essentials for you and baby including free samples of water wipes the number one wipe against nappy rash to receive yours just register now on everymum.ie there's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum I, I feel like we, we were lucky this time. This is the longest I've carried. So I, we got to 36 weeks and five days, which is a miracle. If every week, kind of from 29 weeks, I was every Friday, I was up on Hollis Street and it was a case of, we're going to let you go, but you need to come back on Wednesday. You need to come back on Friday. I was up and down and like that, I was constantly being monitored. There was lots of things happening with her. She was growing way too big in a not a, in not a good way. And there was loads of scary things happening. And then my blood pressure started to creep up and lots of things were happening. So it was quite stressful. And we had been, I suppose the difference this time being pregnant is throughout, I was prepared for NICU and for complications with the baby. And they had told me, and I had the same consultant again. So everybody, and then the midwives, I'm, I'm up there so much, they all know me. So everybody kind of helped to prepare me this time. It's, it's almost inevitable. And so the part of me was trying to prepare for that. It was all, all along. Whereas with, with Luna, I never was prepared that she was going to be taken to NICU and to, for her to be gone so long and for things to be so bad. And it's only with hindsight and having had Kaya now that I know just how serious things were with Luna. Like they were really, really bad. Um, so yeah, this ultimately then I managed to get to 36 weeks and five days. We got to the planned C-section date. So out of three C-sections, this is the only one that was planned. So I got to actually pack my bags. I got to say goodbye to the kids. I went in the night before. And, you know, it was, it was a totally different experience. And I'm like... I'm delighted that I got that experience. I got the feeling that other people get of the waiting around. Whereas I, both previous times it was just, okay, baby's got to come out. This is serious. Just, and that was it. And there was no time to think. It was just, baby's here. Um, this was lovely. And oh God, the waiting is hard. Like that last weekend, me just like a Michelin man going round. Um, <laughs> but now those are the days that I find myself thinking about. I was like, God, that was lovely. And the excitement. Um, so yeah, it, it went as smoothly as it could have gone. We were, we, it, it, the, the C-section went well. She did go to NICU, um, which, and, and she had a slightly different issue than Luna. Um, so that kind of floored me a bit, even though I had been prepared for it. Mm. it um, now we were so lucky. She was only gone for just less than two days, which was for me unbelievable but I in the moment found it hard to accept like I um because of what happened with Luna I found it really hard to go down those stairs to mm. to NICU I saw like the bed where <laughs> Luna was and I like I couldn't even look into that room it's so raw and I like I think it's only with time that we talk about it more like that we could have lost her She's like just an amazing kid, so full of life. How long was Luna May in? Two weeks. For? Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. So I I got discharged and she was still in, which was mm-hmm. horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Mm-hmm. Very unnatural. Um it felt cruel. It, to be separated from your baby was just Oh, it's, it's the worst. It's, it really is. It's such an unnatural experience. One part of the story around when I've heard you speak of some of the, the various traumas, I suppose, that went on with Luna May's birth, you know, yeah. whether it was down to the, 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 the C-section and the emergency of it and then how ill she became and the NICU experience and the coming home without her was also not being able to say goodbye to Annabelle yeah, Ivy before yeah. you went in. Yeah. And when you said there that you remember that weekend 
of with the, yeah. yeah with them and yeah the excitement of going in for this plan section and it being so much calmer yeah like, how did that impact, I suppose, welcoming Kai into the family, that it didn't feel like this, I don't know, fear moment? It was that, Yeah, that was beautiful. And that weekend, like the lead up to her birth and the lead up to the weekend, knowing that we were getting to the planned date was lovely because I got to prepare the girls and like we we just hung around together we i was like lying in the bed barely able to get up but you know we had lots of snuggles and we got to prepare we knew that it was girl we had more or less settled on her name even though they had other ideas <laughs> on what her name should be and um, so it was lovely and it, that was a really healing experience because it was planned and because with when Luna May came, I had only gone for a checkup. I'd left Annabelle. I hadn't told her where I was going. That haunts me. That was a, that was, oh, and I actually was set because at the time I stayed up in Dublin for those two weeks, Luna or Annabelle was in Cavan with my mother. So we weren't even together. Mm. And it was, she was two years, eight months when Luna was born. That had a lasting impact on her. Mm. Massive, massive impact on her. So that's, um, that would, that, you know, obviously then had an impact on me and guilt. And so this time was lovely because it was so different. We dropped them off to my mum's, have a great time. The next time I come, I'm going to have a baby girl's going to be here. And they were buzzing for it. They were so excited. Like Luna just follows whatever Annabelle says, you know, <laughs> she didn't really fully get it. But um, the moment when the three girls met was the best moment of my life like if I could relive that day over and over like oh just like the stuff of dreams brilliant but like better than I had even thought it would be just and we were so lucky that we'd never even talked about it but Cormac just started videoing it and mm -hmm. we just started videoing their reactions and I am so glad we did because looking back on that is just like I love it and I love seeing the three of them together now like excuse me snotty nose for all the years and <laughs> um, they're just dynamiter and um it's just so lovely it's like every morning obviously uh, Kai is up first so I would have the feed done before I go into Luna and Annabelle who share a room and like the first thing they do is they stand up in their bed and they're like, Kaya, 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 put her in my bed, mommy, put her in my bed. Mm. So I usually put her in Annabelle's bed and every, all three of them then get into the bed and snuggle. And it's so just cute. like, it's, it's unbelievable. I never want this, I never want them to be bigger. I just want this stage to last forever. And it's lovely. I'm, I'm definitely, like, I'm, I'm really enjoying this whole stage and seeing the three of them I'm, I just, I love watching how their personalities change and develop. And I'm really interested to know how Kai is going to mm. fit into the dynamic. It's going to be fascinating because Annabelle and Luna are so different. So I've no, I, I, I'm, I'm the baby of four. I don't know. What do people usually say about the third child? Are they usually the boss? Probably. I think it depends if they're the third and last or if there's a third and you know, there's three more to come. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> what when are you finding the differences between your two already, the older ones? Are you, oh. are, you, are they, are they showing the displays of first child, second child? Oh, completely. They're like personified. If you looked it up in the dictionary, mm. Annabelle is a very anxious little girl. She's very nervous, very shy, very eager to please just wants everybody to be happy. Just wants mommy to be happy. Would hates to do anything that would, and, and, and <clears throat> whilst all good things, some of them are to a default, like she tries mm. so hard at everything. Um, and she's just a good girl. Luna is like, you couldn't pick a better name for that, for that little wild dash. <laughs> but she's just wild. She just is in her own world. She talks to herself all the time. She's got an imaginary friend, Isla, who she just, her and Isla are besties. <laughs> completely imaginary she could be out in the swing talking to her friend mm. she's just she doesn't care you could give out to her and she'll like she doesn't care she bosses Annabelle around she she's 
she's just totally different but she's like amazing like she's full of life she's a character she just has character bursting out of her and they're they're just gorgeous but in, they're so different their personalities are so different and I love watching them change now it's starting to get tricky because the whole fighting with each other thing has started and so mm. that's like <laughs> just I feel like my whole life is Luna give it back to her Luna Lu <laughs> all day and um, she just takes everything of her Annabelle and Annabelle's like it's okay she can have it oh bless oh, sweetheart you have to stand up for yourself I'm trying to teach her yeah to be tougher and to stand up for herself and I'm trying to treat Luna to be kinder and to care. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard. Um, so I've no idea where little Kai is going to fit in. Is she going to... I don't know. I have a feeling that they're all going to probably spoil her, I guess. I don't know. She'd be the peacemaker between them. And how has Luna May adapted to, I suppose, handing over the role of being the baby? She has been nothing but, but lovely to Kaya, very gentle and very good, but she's definitely very annoyed with me and very upset with mommy. Um, probably starting, to, it's starting to ease off, but we had an awful lot of tantrums those first few weeks. A lot of, un she'd just start break, you know, break down crying and when you ask her, what's wrong? She'd say, I don't know. And it was just like proper tears. So. She's been struggling, but not able to explain why. Um, she, yeah, I suppose she's probably all of a sudden just expected to be the big girl. And um, for the last couple of months, probably since around January, Annabelle was in school every day. Luna May was at home and it was just me and her at home. I took a massive break from work. I cancelled all like collaborations and everything because I just had to focus on, on the baby. And so I was at home with Luna and the two of us had so much time together, so much chilling out. So, you know, so it's, it's probably been, been very difficult for her. Annabelle finished off school for the summer holidays and now there's a new baby who seems to constantly be in my arms because mm. I'm with reflux, you have to keep the baby upright so much. And so Kai is just happiest in my arms and um, like yeah, all newborns, I guess. Um, so it has been a little bit of an adjustment. Um, for Luna, for both of them, but Annabelle is probably the most motherly and the most loving, and she's that bit bigger, so she can push the buggy. And mm. you know, she really likes, she really helps me. Whereas Luna's definitely, obviously, she's feeling put out. Like it's, it's, it's such a change for them. You it's know, huge. It is. I had so many of those experiences as well, where like Penny, my first, loves, 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 loves the baby and like wants to just squeeze her and hug her and hold her and be, yeah. you know, just, just loves her, but was angry at us. Yeah. And I think, and like that, there was big red hot tears and God. not being able to say why or what was yeah. wrong. And I think she just didn't know what the hell had just happened. She didn't know what was wrong herself. Yeah. She, she just, if things were different. Things were different. Just big, big, big emotions. And I'm sure it was mm. that feeling of like, I love the baby, but I miss, like, why can't you keep doing everything that you used to be doing with me? Yeah. You know, like it's a, it's a huge thing. And then we'd, we'd be exploring like, is it the baby? La, la, la. She's like, no, I love the baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay 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 we're we're in love with the baby we got yeah. it we got it it must be us then okay brilliant we're yeah great i'm a terrible <laughs> i'm a terrible mother yeah i love that feeling which i have every day <laughs> i was like so i was kind hard. of hoping it was the baby but yeah. no it's me brilliant oh. okay i'm failing you yeah Lovely. great Thanks. well you know you're not it's just so hard though isn't it we just blame ourselves and every day at some point i feel that that i'm failing somebody yeah. yeah one of the three that I'm not doing enough for somebody for you know like even just this morning when we were when I was getting the kids dressed Annabelle who's Annabelle's only five so but she looks about eight she's extraordinarily tall she's the biggest in her class she looks a lot older and probably people treat her as if she's a lot older this morning she said to me will I always be your baby even like when I'm really really big like, yes, you'll always be my little baby. Like, that, 
that was obviously what in her mind even though she's happy and things are going good that's obviously Mm. still playing in her mind Mm. so that's just so hard isn't it just trying to break yourself up and give everybody enough of what they need and to make everybody feel happy and then by the end of the day you're just like I'm a mess (laughs) there's nothing left for yourself that's what I was just going to ask how with three is there anything left for you for Naomi it, that's it's very difficult and I suppose my I my diabetes and my condition requires a lot of time and it's been put a little bit on the back burner um which it shouldn't be and any type one diabetics listening you know that this, don't do this and you need to look after yourself but it's just really hard time is going my days go by in a blink I can't explain it. I can never sometimes I look and I'm like it's five o'clock what and I'm trying to do a bit of work in between um and I have a lot of bigger projects coming up at the end of the year for work. And there's just, so, it's, it's chaos. It's, it's such chaos. And trying to find time for myself is so, it, it's very difficult. So it's something I have to work on. I try to walk um, and listen to podcasts and, and stuff like that and try and switch off. But it is hard. It's, yeah, I'm neglect, definitely neglecting myself. But I don't know how else you're supposed to manage. Like, it's just... It is survival mode for that. Survive, yeah, completely. For that phase. And I think yeah. like we need to get better at feeling okay in survival mode. I think that there's this pressure to be like, oh, but you have to do X, Y, and Z in self-care for you. And it just feels always like, just that's like more work for me, <laughs> more guilt for me. I don't want yeah. to do self-care. I want somebody else to care for me. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Yeah. When are you supposed to have the time? When are you supposed to do it? It's just it's full it's just so full on and I probably you know I'm not the best at slowing down and um I kind of just put everybody else first and then once the three girls are happy then my mind probably automatically goes to to work in the style fairy and projects and then then there's me Mm. (laughs) somewhere so that yeah I definitely have to work on that and I have to work on it for medical reasons like my diabetes is not going anywhere I have to get on top of things for loads of reasons for my eyes for I just have to and is that more rest is that different you know when when you say you have to get on top of it and take care of you what are the kind of things that you need to be doing to maintain that health so it's just um I, ha- I check my blood sugars several times a day. So it's making sure that your blood sugars stay within a certain range. Mm. Um, what's dangerous and what causes ultimately complications in older, in, in later on, is um, high blood sugars. So more often than not at the moment, and, and sorry, consistent high blood sugars are dangerous. Um, the thing is, in the, in the here and now, like I'm, I was actually high this morning just before I came on. That's why I was late coming on to you because I had mm-hmm. to explain, I had to do something. But um, in the here and now, high blood sugars, like I look and appear fine to you. I'm talking mm-hmm. fine, but my sugars are high. So it's that over a long period of time mm-hmm. leads to the complications. So the complications I have are bleeds in the back of my eyes with the left mm-hmm. eye being worse than the right eye. Um, and that's the my left eye is very close to my line of vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's ov- for obvious reasons, my, my eyesight, um, and particularly my eyesight, my left eye. Um, I've had laser done on that, but it's going to be an ongoing issue and struggle to make sure I keep my vision for as long as, as humanly possible. Um, so what does that mean? It means eating regularly and making sure you don't skip meals, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's really hard. Like, I had to think there in my head. I was like, did I have, I did, I had toast. But getting people up, getting people dressed. Yeah. There was an explosive nappy this morning. I had to get the two girls dressed. Yeah. The it hours go by. The hours go by. And then I'm like, oh God, I didn't check my blood sugars. And oh no, it was a bit high. And then I realized that I've been running a bit too high. So loads of factors affect why my blood sugars could be high. Hormones, stress, um, eating the wrong thing. Mm. Um, but that's because you're like, I know, like when you're in survival mode, you just reach for just reach. Yeah. energy bits and you know, they're not good for you. Yeah. You just, you're just getting through. Yeah. Um, it's so true. And I've been doing that. So I, 
I, my, my diabetes is just, my blood sugar levels are just a little bit erratic. They're just up and down at the moment. So it's, it's monitoring them and making changes when you see that they're high. So my medication, and it's not just a case of giving the medicine and you're better. Mm. Diabetes is a daily struggle, type one diabetes I'm talking about. It's a daily struggle. Your insulin and your medication requirements change constantly, mm. constantly. And so what worked for yesterday might not work today. Um, I have to be really careful with every, every piece of food that I take. I have to manually give insulin. I'll just show you. That's my insulin pump mm-hmm. there that I'm wearing inside my dress. So I took brown bread this morning. I have to type in exactly how many carbohydrates were in that. So every piece of food. And I often forget mm. because I'm busy and, and I'm not prioritizing myself which is my doctor. I can hear him. I can hear him. <laughs> All that he said to me was, there is nothing more important than this. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he's like, no, there is nothing more important than this. And he's like, my last appointment with him, he's like, when are you going to get it into your head that there is nothing more important? Um, you know just, he's right. I know he's right. Even though I walk out going, oh, God. Damn, he doesn't understand what it's like, and ugh, I know, of course, he does. He he he's just trying to help me, and it's just it's a very challenging condition, and it's trying to to put myself first. That I just it's really hard. I know it's so hard with somebody who doesn't have that condition. Like it's to be in that zone of of you know fourth trimester and the juggle and mm. having now you know more than one and as you said, like, you, you know, you are still trying to, I know you cancel projects, but you are still trying to maintain a business. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is still supportive income for your family. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a responsibility that goes with that. This isn't a hobby. This is, no. this is, you know, the roof above the head and stuff. And absolutely, it's, it's a lot. And like every conversation that I seem to have, we put ourselves at the bottom of the list. We do the opposite of what your doctor said. That, no. you know, we do not make ourselves a priority in importance. And even, you know, last week talking to, to Claire Balding around how she attributes how she lost her hair actually due to the kind of the breakdown of self that her motherhood mm. was just, she was just so depleted, so exhausted. It was the final thing to give. Mm. And we just, and I don't have the answer. I really don't. No. I, I have no idea how we do this. And I think it is around that, let's not put so much pressure on ourselves to have this like, well, I've got my self care and I've got this and I've got that. And there just isn't space in the day. There's just survival mode for a while. Yes, there is absolute, absolute survival, whatever it takes survival. Whatever it takes survival mode and be okay with that. And just go for the naps and sleep and have somebody just make you something that doesn't have to be the perfect five course meal of treatment. Yeah. Just eat the food. Yeah. Eat, just eat. And yeah, absolutely. Jesus, we have, I think only in the last week or two have we started cooking again. I lived off what was in the freezer and my mother, who is just an angel. Mum just lives like two minutes drive. she just drop in like, here's spaghetti bolognese, here's a curry. Oh, thank you. Like I haven't eaten or I haven't put down Kaya. And while you're here, can you hold Kaya for two seconds while I eat? Or while I shower? Oh, yes. Oh my God, I haven't like, mom, I have to shower. Can I please shower? And she'd be like, Jesus, Naomi, yes, go and shower, will you? What's wrong with you? But I don't, like, people don't know how full on it is if you've got a baby crying and you've, you're, you, you know, you've got the other two to look after. And, and it's going to be, it's really funny. In a few months time, I'll be able to talk about the project I've been working on. But I started working on, a, on something when Kaya was around five weeks old. And it's huge, and it's one of the biggest things that's happened um, in, for, for the Style Fairy. But now I'm like, now that she's nearly 14 weeks, I'm like, I can't believe I was taking con calls and doing Zooms and making huge decisions um, at such an early stage. But like you said, the Style Fairy is not just a hobby for me. It is my job. It is my income. And, I've, and I cancelled pretty much all work from January on because I had to focus on getting the baby out as safely as possible and um so yeah i'm taking on limited very limited work at the moment only stuff that i really really want to do that i really believe in that i really you know that excites me and um, but i am still working yeah i'm still mm. working 
and I know that's really people are like would probably be like think I'm crazy and why am I doing that but again it's hard for me to just put down it's not like I have anybody else to take over for me and if I stop doing what I'm doing you're I suppose you're worried that you'll be forgotten and that you've built it and there's a responsibility to kind of keep momentum in its way but does it also refuel you be feeling like me again yeah. when I do it. The the yes, and it has it makes me feel like me, and it absolutely like I live and breathe fashion. It's what I love. Like I'm clothes obsessed, always have been. I love styling. I love putting outfits together. Like that's me. Hmm. So I do get a bit of slack sometimes when people are like, God, like I was in my jammies till I was. 20 weeks well that's brilliant if that's what made you happy and I'm all about that like good for you brilliant I need to dress up I that makes me feel better about myself and that's why clothes like clothes are so important for me to feel it's not for Instagram it's not for anybody else it's it's I genuinely feel better if I put a little bit of effort into what I'm wearing I get excited by clothes. Like I, I really do love that. So you're right. Being, you know, doing the bit of work on, on Style Fairy does help me keep that bit of me mm. that you so desperately need because you're just the you that you were disappears. I think a lot of women feel how you feel. And I think there is this, like, there's a loss to it sometimes when you're just have to be in man mode and you can't, you can't maintain whether it is the work thing or the hobby thing or the fitness thing or the whatever it is. Whatever the thing. is your thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to kind of undress for, from a fashion expression, undress all of you to just mm-hmm. be in mother mode. I think it is really positive that you maintain whatever it yeah. is that fills you up as long yeah, as you're the, doing that. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's that it just happens to be fashion and clothes for me. Um, yeah, because Jesus, you, you, you just, well, for me anyway, you just don't feel like yourself or you've changed. And obviously now with three, I've just come totally changed again. You're everything changes. Nothing is the same again. So that one part of me, which can be somebody else can be the style fairy can be Naomi. I love and I enjoy. Um, yeah, definitely. It, it, just and clothes can clothes can lift our mood even if we're not even if we're not as invested in it as you and your career is but I know that definitely like just having that moment to just wash my face and put on something bright or put on something that just makes me feel more awake than I probably feel (laughs) absolutely it can transform how I feel if I put on make Two minutes there. I'm not talking about huge effort and I'm not talking about loads of makeup. I don't wear, lo- you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I'm not a makeup big person, so I'm not great at it. It's just putting on something bright that you feel good in. It's wearing the good clothes, even if it's a Monday. Who cares? Just wear them because it's for you. It's how you feel. It's not saving the best dress for a Saturday night because sure, who's going to see that? Not that I'd ever, ha- ever have a Saturday night out again. <laughs> But it's for me, it's just wearing your clothes, feeling good. Um, so that has, that has helped me over the weeks now. I've had lots of jammy days as well and stuff mm-hmm. where I just haven't been able to dress and Kaya hasn't given me the chance to. Um, and that's, that's okay too. But that's it. It's all about permission. It's all about yeah. permission. Especially when you're, you know, if you're in that reflux newborn mode, like I didn't wear my good stuff because I know I get just covered in puke all day. So, you know, you have to, you have to, <laughs> You have to be practical as yeah. well. But on the days where I feel like I, feel, you know, some days when too many days in a row of like just the jammy days and the inside mm. days, not seeing anyone days. Mm. For me, definitely putting on something that makes me brighter and makes me feel a little bit more. Co- yeah, it adds confidence. It adds confidence. confidence. It yeah, yeah. For me, it definitely it affects my confidence. I. If I am make no effort at all, or if you know, not that, it's not about making an effort. I don't know what it is. It's just putting on something that I like or that I feel good yeah. and has a massive impact on my confidence. I am almost like two different people. If I don't, if I if, if I don't like what I'm wearing or 
you know, if I don't feel good in what I'm wearing, it just has such an impact on your confidence. But for some people, that's leggings and you feel confident in. Mm. Or for some people, that's a dress. It's, you know, it's, we're different. Like, I'm obviously not near my pre-baby weight, so I am, like, allergic to jeans. Thank God it's summer. Cause I, so I'm just living in dresses, mm. and I can live blissfully ignorant to the fact that my jeans don't fit me for another few months, which is great. I think just wear whatever makes you happy. Wear oh, whatever yeah. suits the mood. If yes. you've had a bad night and you just want to curl up, put the jammies on. If you want to have a bit of brightness and feel like your mood lifted, wear something bright. And I suppose that is what fashion does for us. That's what style does for us. Mm, you know, it becomes, but also it comes a little bit part of our identity and it brings me back sometimes to who I used to feel like before oh, the children her? covered me in yogurt handprints. Yeah. And puke. And puke. <laughs> Just puke, yeah. <laughs> Naomi, thank you so much for your time. Oh, today. such a pleasure. That flew by. I could flew by. Yeah. I loved that. Thank you. And I love to hear your experience with three. I am I'm in I'm in deep conflict. <laughs> but you've uh, yeah, you've you've given me food for thought. Oh gosh, have I <laughs> <laughs> I should talk to Cormac. Yeah, yeah, he might say something different. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Sinead. Thank you, millions. Thank you so much for listening and to Waterwipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Waterwipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipe. And the winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with every mum and this week's guest, Naomi Clark, the Style Fairy, on Instagram. Talk to you again next week.